This is your host, Nick Riley, and you're listening to the One Day Advice Podcast. Together, we're going to take a ride inside the world of personal finance. I'm going to give you a fully transparent, behind-the-scenes look into the financial services industry, helping you to optimize your financial life along the way. Financial independence is the new retirement. The FIRE community, otherwise known as the Financially Independent Retire Early community, has become a growing movement over the last couple of decades. A large part of its mission is to gain enough assets that enable you to live off of your own assets and money without the need to work or dip into principal. The 4% rule has become the central measurement for financial freedom, and in this episode, we're going to break down why this number may actually be best used as a guideline and how you should consider thinking about financial freedom instead. So we're going to be talking about what is the 4% rule, how do you determine your financial independence number, and then Finally, what key considerations does the 4% rule ignore and why I believe it should be used as a guideline instead? So what is the 4% rule? The 4% rule is a rule of thumb used to determine how much a retiree should withdraw from a retirement account each year. This rule seeks to provide a steady income stream to the retiree while also maintaining an account balance that keeps income flowing through retirement. So as you can see that the rule was originally developed for people approaching retirement who would no longer be able to rely on income to live off of. So when it was invented in 1994 uh, by a financial advisor in Southern California, the rule has you evolve from retirement to becoming the holy grail of those seeking financial independence and is often used to determine your financial independence number. So that leads me into how do you calculate your financial independence number? Well, this FI number, we'll call it for short, is based on two factors, your household spending on an annualized basis and number two, your withdrawal rate. So a 4% withdrawal rate would be essentially multiplying your annual spending by 25. So if you rely on $100,000 a year in spending, multiply that by 25, that's $2.5 million that you would need to uh, build up in your net worth or you have the assets to pull from uh, worth 2.5 million in order to safely withdraw that 4% and satisfy your annual household spending needs of 100 grand. So if you want to withdraw more, say 5%, then you would multiply your annual spending by 20 instead. So if you're comfortable taking a 5% withdrawal rate, that would require you to have $2 million if you wanted to have, uh, you know, meet the needs of the household of $100,000 in annual spending. And on the flip side, if you wanted to be more conservative and you maybe have a lower withdrawal rate, that would be a much safer amount to uh, you know, have an assumption based off of you could multiply that by, you say, you 30. And that would enable you to uh, 
uh, you live off of a, a much smaller percentage of your overall assets. Now, there are flaws to this rule, and that's why I kind of view it as more of a guideline instead. But it's, it's worth highlighting a common mistake that, that we see in the FIRE community today. Many of the members of this community and, and this movement uh, are people retiring in their 30s and 40s. And they are oftentimes expecting their retirement savings to last forever by withdrawing 4% every year. This, however, was not considered into the original calculation when the rule was established. The rule itself was set up for portfolio longevity of 30 years and was therefore only considering a 30-year period. So what they did in doing the study was take every 30-year period uh, throughout the stock market and figure out how much could be safely withdrawn where in no 30-year period would you ever run out of money. So a person that has retired in their 30s or 40s could potentially live for another 50 or 60 years. So this rule technically is not accommodating for someone retiring with so many more years left in their life. So you know, as far as I've seen, there's there's no 30-year period where portfolio value dropped below zero uh, when it was invested in a 60% stock, 40% bond type portfolio uh, with a 40 or with a 4% withdrawal rate. And you know, I haven't done any studies on a 50 or 60-year period, uh, but there are many factors in in considering that. So The other flaw is that it's also providing close to 100% confidence for that 30-year period. So whereas in financial planning, I generally look for a 75% to 85% confidence uh, because this allows for a balance of peace of mind and enjoyment in life. By not having 100% confidence, it allows you to adjust spending to reflect your lifestyle needs while still giving you a high likelihood of success. Uh, and in this case, success would be you not running out of money. And this confidence factor enables you to consider the 4% rule for periods longer than 30 years uh, because the original rule accommodates for that 30-year period and there are no 30-year periods in the stock market where you would have you lost, you know, you ran out of money at a 4% withdrawal rate. So by moving into you know, the 40 or 50 year time frame of running off of your, your money and your assets, uh, you know, this gives you a little bit more wiggle room uh, in considering the, the fact that a 75 to 85% confidence is all right. Now, before we consider some of the key considerations that aren't being accounted for in this 4% rule, I wanted to share a quote from Catherine Hepburn. And she once said, if you obey all the rules, you'll miss out on all the fun. And I love this because I think with any any rule, uh, there's there's it's not accommodating for uh, many factors. And life is not something that we can predict in advance. Uh, we don't know how our life is, is going to play out. So it's really hard to live by set rules around your finances. 
So here are some of the key considerations that aren't being accounted for in the 4% rule. And I think number one is the most important. It The 4% rule does not uh, enable you to adjust for your spending needs. You'll likely spend less in your later years of life. Uh, and you want to take advantage of your health and do the things that you want to do while you are able to do them. The 4% rule just assumes 4% of your assets are used uh, or withdrawn for spending needs every single year. So it doesn't accommodate for fluctuations up or down uh, in any given year around spending. So it doesn't consider the fact that you may want to spend more money in your early years to travel and and that obviously will impact your overall uh, portfolio balance uh, as you may be dipping further into principal uh, of your investments early on in life and therefore generate less of a return over time that will provide you the income you need in those later years. So in this situation, you may want to consider you know, having more on hand and in order to truly be financially independent. Another key consideration is that you may want to work part-time or still bring in some level of income. So for instance, if you live off of $80,000 per year, what if you decide to maybe take a part-time job or just reduce the amount of hours you work on a weekly basis or you reach some more flexibility around your work schedule and maybe you're bringing in 30,000 per year in part-time income. Well, that would leave you a gap of 50,000 uh, that would ne need to be used from savings that you have. And if you multiply that 50,000 by 25 based on the 4% rule, that would mean you would need one and a quarter million uh, in order to essentially reach a financial freedom through working part-time. So that would allow you to reach financial freedom sooner uh, rather than later if you were willing to work part-time for uh, some additional income to help offset some of your spending needs. A third consideration is that you may be able to achieve a higher rate of return. And well, this is uh, you know, largely talked about with uh, the returns of stocks uh, and or equities. Both terms can be used interchangeably. But over the long term, the uh, stock market has returned uh, depending on where you you measure that from, but anywhere from seven to ten percent annualized. And if you're you know, incorporating a four percent withdrawal rate, you're actually leaving a lot of money on the table potentially if you are more aggressively invested in stocks, for instance. So there's a good chance that you could potentially earn a higher rate of return above inflation by investing more heavily in stocks. And you know, keep in mind that 4% rule was originally established off of a 60% stock, 40% bond uh, allocated portfolio. So it's more of a balanced, uh, moderate growth type of portfolio. A fourth consideration is that you may not want to leave an inheritance or you may not have any dependents. So 
you know, depending on your outlook on life of whether you want to spend the last dollar on the last day of your life and just time that perfectly, or you want to leave an inheritance to uh, your kids, your, your nephew, nieces, your grandkids, whoever that might be, or maybe charities. So that is also a big factor in this. If, if you don't want to leave anything, then you can afford to have a higher percentage withdrawal rate uh, on your assets. And on the flip side, if you do want to leave a larger inheritance, you'll want to have a lower withdrawal rate, uh, you know, lower than 4% on your assets. The fifth consideration, and the last one I'm going to talk about today, is that you may be able to tap into other assets as well. So beyond just your investment portfolio, you may be able, able to uh, use real estate equity that you might have. So you might have at, at the stage of your life built up real estate investment income. Well, you know, that ownership stake that you have in your real estate, that is equity that you could potentially tap into through a reverse mortgage or uh, just a, a home equity line of credit, or, you know, you could refinance and take equity out uh, in, in the form of a cash out refinance. Uh, there's also, if you own a business, uh, you could tap into that equity, sell shares of your business or sell your business outright. So there may be other assets that you'll be able to tap into uh, you know, in your lifetime that uh, would allow you to increase the amount of money that you withdraw on an annualized basis in order to meet your spending needs. To wrap things up, your own financial independence number will be dependent on your ability to adapt and change your spending over time. So whether you're never wanting to work another day in your life, uh, you know, how aggressive or uh, you know, balanced your investments are, the risk you're, you're willing to take on, or the inheritance you want to leave, these are all factors that will play into your own financial independence number. And if you are going to use the 4% rule, simply take your annual spending and multiply that by 25. And that will give you the net worth or the level of assets that you should have in order to comfortably live off of that 4% uh, each year. And keep in mind, if you fall on the ultra conservative side of the spectrum, you will need to be okay with the fact that it may take you longer to achieve your desired state of financial independence because of the lower withdrawal rate you wish to take. So it's important to note that each person is on their own journey. And uh, we at One Day Advice, you love to guide our clients through these conversations in order to develop a plan that can effectively evolve around them and their life. I'm going to wrap up with a quote that I love. Uh, Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That is why we call it the present. So it's a reminder that you don't want to work for tomorrow because tomorrow is not a guarantee. Seek balance in your life where you're able to enjoy things today, but still be able to set yourself up for life after work. If you have your health today, take advantage of it and do the things that you love. Your health is not guaranteed, so take care of yourself and seek experiences with the people you enjoy being around and bring you happiness.
So just as life is a mystery, full of surprises and hard to predict, be okay with the fact that finances are not a perfect science and it's not worth stressing out over your financial independence number as it will change over time. As you heard, there's a lot of factors that go into uh, this financial independence number. So if it seems like you're so far away from that goal, simply chip away at it. As your net worth grows, it will continue to compound and you will get closer to your goal much faster as time passes on. If you have further questions on this topic, don't hesitate to reach out to us at hello at onedayadvice.com. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Nick Riley, the founder of One Day Advice. If you like what you've heard, we'd greatly appreciate your help in spreading the word. After all, we are financial educators, not marketers. Thanks for listening and remember to leave us a review. Nick Riley is the founder of One Day Advice, an independent fiduciary and fee-only registered investment advisor. Nick serves as a wealth advisor and educator to his clients. All opinions expressed by Nick and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of One Day Advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment or financial decisions.